Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's up, everyone? And welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Today, we have Magnum, the developer behind the upcoming title known as Nobody. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm very glad you could make it because this game looks right up my alley. But before we get to the game, we always talk about the people themselves. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Oh, God. Um, okay, so as you already announced, I'm Magnum. Um, I'm turning 30 in a couple of days. So wow, that's congrats. De- that's depressing. I mean, no, you know what? It it is and it isn't. Um, Obviously, there's a little bit of we have to get older, right? Um, Mm. I'm I'm 31, uh, so I'm right there with you. Uh, And I had a I had a moment. I don't know if I've I've mentioned this on the podcast uh, or not, but I had a moment uh, a little bit ago where my niece, who is seven years old, she just had like her birthday recently, and she said to me, uh, you know, she's just asking because she's she's curious and whatnot. And she's like, oh, uh, Josh, how old are you? And I said it, and I was like, oh, I'm 31. And it was like that that moment where you kind of just like freeze up and like time stands still, and yeah. you're like, oh fuck. Yeah, I'm 31, and it, it was one of those like those like whoa, just like hits you in waves. Um, but it's it's the normal course of things, you know. Uh, with age comes a uh, uh, refinement, as they say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a fine wine. We're just we're getting uh, more flavors. Yeah, right? I suppose, and more gray hairs, and more, <laughs> and more gray hairs. Well, that's okay. We, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little salt and pepper. <laughs> But um, yeah, so as I'm sure people can probably tell, I'm based in the UK, unfortunately in England, the worst part of the UK. Um, (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) um, And yeah, so that's pretty much it, you know? I mean, I can go into more detail like about stuff that I've done in the past unless you want to ask that. Um, I mean, hey, it's up to you. Let's, uh, let me just kind of steer you in a certain direction. How'd you get started in gaming? So, I mean, the, the very first video game I played was on the SNES. It was Super Mario All-Stars. Oh, that's um, a good one. Yeah, I think I was like three or four when I was introduced into it. And so I just pretty much have been gaming all my life um, nice. constantly. Like, I, I don't particularly stick to, a, to any particular console or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really do PC gaming because my PCs were at work. And so it's kind of like at the end of the day, I just want to go into the living room and chill and relax. I don't want to be sat in my computer chair continuously, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah, um, so yeah, that, that was that was kind of how I got started into gaming, and it's just become like a lifelong passion. Obviously, cool. we got to see a nice big chunk of Elden Ring gameplay a couple of days ago, which you might have seen. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Like. I'm so, so hyped for that. (laughs) You a big fan of the Dark Souls series? Hell yeah. Hell yes. (laughs) So I'm going to try, I'm going to try and get the uh, collector's edition tomorrow, but we'll see if it's sold out by then. 
Yeah, those sometimes those collectors editions can be tough to get your hands on. Um, let me ask you this then: when you you know you've you've always been passionate about games, you seem like you you have a wide uh, variety or or interest when it comes to different genres. Mm-hmm. But when you're jumping into say this career uh, of of yours in building a video game, right? Were you always on this trajectory, or was this something that you you know kind of accidentally fell into? It was definitely accidental for my whole life. Uh, well, I say whole life, probably since about the age of 14, 15, I actually trained as an actor. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So I was an actor first and then eventually I just started becoming more backstage as a writer and director. Oh. Um, so I've made a number of stage plays um, that I've written, choreographed because I, I dance as well. Um written, choreographed, produced, directed, all that kind of stuff. You know, I kind of did yeah. everything myself. Um, and, you know, I studied it at university. I have a master's in it as well. Um, wow. Okay. I, was te- I was teaching it for a while. And then when Corona happened, um, I was like, damn, how am I supposed to continue my craft when yeah. theatres are closed, you know? And um, so what I first did was I wrote a radio show. Um, oh okay cool so, so i did a radio play and then after that i was like now what could i do because i was expecting corona to have finished by then but over <laughs> here over here in the uk it's still going on because of the crappy government so like i was like what am i gonna do and then that's when i thought do you know what maybe i'll write a story that people can actually play through instead of watching so I, huh. what I first did was I wrote the script. Keep, obviously, it was keeping in mind, like, okay, people need to be able to play this. It's not the same as watching it. So right. it's quite different for me, especially as in the game, there's lots of different choices and paths you can take. So I right. had to write. I had to write not only the script, but then I had to write what happens if you take all these different choices. And it took me about three months to write it. Um, okay. And then, yeah, and then and then I just started kind of putting it together, I suppose, at that point. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm sure that the, the writing style must be very different just because in a play or something like a radio play, you as a as an audience is kind of forced to, to just consume it. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't get a, a say in how the, the story works. So what what were some of those like pitfalls that you ran into? I think, I think one of the things definitely, and to be fair, I had a little bit of experience with this when I wrote the radio play. Before okay. that, obviously, everything I'd written in my head, it was like, okay, this is the way that the people on stage can interact with the audience, and these are the ways that the audience can interact with the people on stage. Mm-hmm. And obviously, because I've worked in theatre for so long, I know what can and can't be done. I know that like you know there's budget constraints there's a lot potential lighting constraints depending on the theater so those were all things that you had to take into account and so you were kind of restricted by the limitations that you may have had whereas with a game you have restrictions again but in a way the restrictions are down to your own ability and depending on the software that you're using so it was like okay if i want this to happen how am i going to make that happen in game Right. That that was one of the most trickiest things, I think, because I was sort of I knew the software, but I was also learning it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah it was just kind of one of those things it's, it, where as i've just said like i've got some big ideas <laughs> can i pull <laughs> it off can i make it look good enough with the ability that i have at this current stage right yeah you're almost limited to your you know to a degree to your creativity but also you're okay i have this idea how do i put this into action right exactly so let's talk about that putting it into action part did you know anything about because this is a I'm, I'm fairly certain this is a solo dev project correct it is yeah. So did you know any of this from like a programming sense or, or from, you know, an art sense, you know, what are those skills that you fell into this, uh, somewhat accidentally, those skills, what are the, the ones that you had to be like, I, I don't know this, I have to figure this out. Right. Um, oh, well, I guess it was, uh, to be honest, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> I, I just kind of try, if that makes sense. And yeah, then just, yeah. And, and YouTube has helped a lot, you know? Right, yeah, <laughs> of course. I whenever I didn't know how to do something, I looked on YouTube. And I'm in a number of Discord groups as well. So yeah. if I ever kind of got stuck with something, like I went to those relevant groups and I was like, how do I do this? Could someone write a bit of code for me or something like that? And I, gotcha. I have paid people to like write little bits um, for me to help me put things together. Mm -hmm. um but yeah like it, it was kind of just that really I, I suppose on the other side of things outside of development there was the whole like networking side of things so i had to find artists i had to find musicians um but luckily i, I feel like um i can just talk to people though i might get a little bit nervous beforehand but i'm not <laughs> afraid to just hit people up and be like hey here's my project do you want to work on it i can pay you Etc. Right. Et That's good um, at least. Yeah. 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 You need a little bit of that that networking, especially when you're, you know, trying to to take this full project and on your own uh, mm -hmm. put all these pieces together. You need to be able to uh, for multiple reasons, right? Not just the creation, but also the aftermath of it. You know, like yeah. how do you market this? How do you really promote this? And exactly. getting that out there to the the you know the world yeah um, but that's that's where things like pitch a game come into and why i even found you in the first place right oh okay i was gonna ask how did you come across the game yeah yeah so i as a person who does uh you know all these interviews and asks people sometimes i'll get people who will reach out to me but if i'm looking for you know i need a new uh a new set of audience or a new set of developers to come onto the show i'll use a lot of those picture games or those you know uh the different tags that are on twitter of people mm -hmm. just showing their their indie game out to the world and it's a great way for me to be like oh that looks interesting i want to you know i want to dive deeper right um so those things do work in some uh regards okay um that that being said i do want to take a step back and talk about uh the process from uh, a time perspective so you mentioned that it took you uh, about three months to to fully just just to think about the script right just to think about that that dialogue and what's kind of happening from a story perspective in the game yeah. um how long has the you know the full game like not just the story but like working on all the other pieces how long has that been in development so far everything including the script everything started in february this year okay all right interesting and where and i know this is a, a weird question to ask especially early but where where do you feel as from like a comfort level of like you know how if you had to roughly slap a percentage on this game which i know is not a great way to to <laughs> really say it's done or not but like where do you feel from a comfort level 
What do you mean? Like, I'm sorry. Like, as far as the game being completed, right? Oh, hmm. Five percent. Five percent. Okay, I like it. Let's let's dive into what this game is then, uh, right? Because uh, especially if there's only that that five percent, then like I do have an hour of gameplay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, if you have an hour of gameplay and you only think it's five percent, is it just because you want to add upon that hour, or do you think this is going to be a a large, uh, you know, extensive game? It is a long game. The script really? is very long. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's exciting, though. That's that's really interesting to hear. Um, let's dive into the game itself. For those who don't know anything about the game, how would you describe Nobody and what makes it special? Mm, okay. Yeah, so Nobody is a 2D hand-drawn pixel art RPG with horror elements. I wouldn't call it strictly a horror game, hmm. but it has horror elements. And it's, it's definitely influenced both by Sullen Hill and Undertale. Yeah. That, there you go, that's the game. It's story-driven <laughs> because that, obviously, that is my main strength. Story-driven, heartfelt, there's so many choices in the game, and literally every single choice will impact your character and the world around them in both minor and major ways. Mm. I... I'm very excited by a lot of different points that you mentioned, and I'm going to put a pin in a lot of those and come back to them. But the first thing that I want to unpack is actually, uh, which is funny because, you know, you're such a story driven person. But the one thing that I want to touch on first is something that caught my eye that I thought was interesting, which mm -hmm. was around your combat system. Oh, okay. And nobody in your uh, your Steam page and in your web page, you have this mention that it is a turn-based uh, turn meets investigation yes. battle system. Can you elaborate on what that means? I kind of think that maybe I used the wrong word for investigation, but once I explain it, maybe you'll disagree. Okay. So basically, the, the combat system is a little complicated. So... It starts off very simple, obviously, so the player can get used to it. Mm -hmm. But then later on, it will become much more complex. So how it works is when you enter a combat scenario, enemy you will not be able to damage an enemy directly unless you know what its weakness is. Mm. Some enemies don't even have any weaknesses and cannot be hurt directly. And that is where the investigation or the senses system comes in. So each of the characters can use any of their five senses. So sight, uh, sound, smell, taste, and touch. Oh, gross. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it, it allows you to experiment and you can get some like funny responses. Like if you taste a, an enemy or something like that, do you know what I mean? But sometimes yeah. that's necessary. So what will happen is because each, each enemy is essentially its own puzzle. So when you encounter a certain enemy, let's say, for example, just for this, let's say you encounter something that looks like Bowser, right? Everyone okay. knows what Bowser looks like. Yeah. So you can't harm Bowser because you tried attacking it and it's taking no damage. So you can use any of the senses. So you might first choose to just use luck and then you'll get some information back. That's almost like scan that you get in like Final Fantasy. Yeah. So it might give you some information, like it might... Like the information that you get are all clues, if that makes sense. So you'll receive some sort of clues on what you might need to do next. 
So you might try touching Bowser, tasting Bowser, and each of these will give you different like responses. Um, and eventually, you know, by doing the correct responses in the correct order, you will eventually either figure out what its weakness is, or you can actually just defeat enemies just by using your senses in the correct way, oh. basically. So you kind of have to solve the puzzle. You have to figure out what is this thing's weakness? What can I do? And I really want players to experiment with trying different things um, because what I've started doing in the game is by doing certain senses and certain combinations, your character can get permanent like stat buffs or secret items and stuff like that, basically. For example, one of the enemies is a microwave. Um, okay. So the way you can defeat this is basically by putting its power on high and setting the, uh, the microwave's time to be like infinite or something like that. Uh. But if you choose to open, so use touch to open the microwave and then use taste, to taste the food that's inside if you taste the food three times then you get a permanent hp buff oh interesting and, it, and it's stuff like that like i want people to use their common sense like if you come across an enemy like bowser for example that's all spiky if you just run up to it and touch it you're gonna take damage yeah yeah etc etc huh i i love this because it adds to an element of there seems to be a lot of pieces that from you know the combat perspective or in this case the the investigation perspective you might not like it, it rewards the player for being curious right yes whereas yes, someone could go through this where you have the player who just kind of blasts through a game right they're just mm -hmm. like ah oh, whatever i just want to figure out what it is right but they don't have that that curiosity you're going to get to people that experience these games totally differently because they might get all of those you know those quirky interactions that they're like oh i wonder if i kept tasting it right and then they get the hp buff and they're like oh that's so cool and that something like that uh and i'm sure you have to some degree some kind of thing that pushes them to this point at first to, to mm -hmm. give them that like hey this is going to happen if you try things basically yeah but having that makes it so much more of a uh an interactive experience because people are intrigued to try things that might be weird or might be you know like weird in the sense of like a video game i guess right like yeah. i don't commonly yeah. think of you know tasting uh an enemy three times right mm -hmm. but in normal life we do that all the time right we always open the microwave and eat out of it right well i mean first we put it on a plate but you know yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that, you know, we, we just going back to what you talked about of, of like, you might disagree at the end, uh, or not. I, I think that it makes sense. I think it is interesting. The word investigation. Uh, I think it, it adds that element of like, uh, am I solving detective problems or things like that, which I think yeah. isn't really the case, but I think it's a good word to, to kind of give you that sense of it's turn-based with a puzzle. In, yes. in between right exactly and look, the reason why i use the word investigation is because of what i mentioned about you're receiving clues mm -hmm. on how to solve the puzzle how to put it together how to do it and i don't know that word just kind of fit to me yeah i mean yeah. In, ga in game it's just referred to as like the senses system because you're using your senses um right. so yeah so yeah okay i i love it i think it's super unique 
now when it comes to and i just want to one more question on this system because i mm -hmm. think it's really interesting the way combat works in this world is there any form of like once you found their weakness now you just you hit them kind of like is there a also more of a normal sense sense of a, a combat system that you would think of for uh most rpgs or is it more of just you have the senses and you have to do them in that order to figure out the combination that that defeats the enemy so yeah this is something i was thinking about when i first put the system together because what i didn't want was players running into the same enemy over and over for example and having to do the same thing repeatedly right um so what i've done is the enemies that can be defeated by combat traditional combat the puzzle aspect is very minimal mm -hmm. so what will happen is you might have to do one or two things with the senses it gets revealed which element because each character has a different element and it's not like fire wind and stuff like that it's completely different okay but it will reveal its weaknesses for example soul that's one of the elements i mean from that point on obviously whenever you encounter that enemy ever again just remember that its weakness is soul right Okay. And then you could just go in, use a soul, a soul type move, and you can defeat it that way. Um, uh, I see. Okay. So it's kind of like that. Gotcha. And, um, and yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Very cool. I, like I said, I love the system. I think it's super unique. I can't wait to see it in action. Um, but one of the biggest things that caught my attention with this game, other than, you know, the, the turn-based system, because I thought that was very unique, one of the, the bigger points was what you already mentioned, which is the inspiration, right? You said games mm -hmm. like Undertale, Silent Hill, there's also Night in the Woods that you mentioned on your website, yes, yes. which are all beloved series, but I think a super weird collection of games when mashed <laughs> together, right? Like. Yeah um what specifically are you pulling from from each of these right because i think that if you just took a, a a game and you were like undertale silent hill and night in the woods and i'm just gonna they're all the same game slapped into one you'd get a very weird feel so what are the the pulls from each okay so from undertale i think it's definitely kind of like the humor aspect mm -hmm. um and potentially some some of like the art style and stuff like that. But I definitely think that kind of quirky humor, um, the unusual sort of characters and, you know, the different ways that you can interact and, you know, interact with the world and yeah. the choices that you have or don't have and just kind of stuff like that, you know, like the one thing in, in Undertale that always stands out to me and it's so small, it's, it's near near the beginning of the game, but I'm assuming you've played it. Yes, yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, the, do, you, do you remember that bit with like the bowl of candy? Yes. And you could just keep interacting with it until you knock it all over the floor? Yep. Mm -hmm. It's just stuff like that. Like, for some reason, I really like that kind of stuff. Um, so that is kind of one aspect of it. And I suppose you know the way that Undertale kind of, you know, it has its comedic moments, but then it can also be very dark at the same time. Yeah. That is definitely something that is kind of in my game. Then as for Silent Hill... This is something that I've had to clarify to people as well. On one hand, it is some of the enemy designs. A lot of the enemy designs, I think, apart from like a microwave, mm -hmm. um, some of the en enemy designs I have are very Silent Hill-esque, I believe. And also, okay. the most major thing I've taken away is, obviously in Silent Hill, when your character that you're playing as, whoever it is in whichever Silent Hill, they all experience Silent Hill in a different way. Yes, it's foggy. Yes, there's enemies around. But 
those enemies and the things that happen, you know, it's it's tied to your character specifically, isn't it? It's like Silent Hill changes its shape around who visits it. Do you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that is the biggest thing that I'm taking away. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say how or why because it's okay. really linked to story and I don't want to say that. But yeah. that is something to keep in mind. And then as for Night in the Woods, I think it's... M- the reason I mentioned Night in the Woods is because... You kind of have like this small town with like, you know, there's like that conspiracy and stuff that happens yeah, in yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And there's also the kind of the discussions around like mental illness and you have some LGBT representation and both the mental illness thing and the LGBT res- representation are big parts of my game as well. Gotcha. Okay. So that's how it all kind of ties in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, Glad to hear it because a lot of those points sound great and sound like uh, a, a good recipe for success, right? Now, so. let's, I hope so too. Uh, let's dive into visually how this game looks and kind of more of that Silent Hill aspect that we were just talking about. You know, th- mm-hmm. there seems to be a big emphasis on horror. The still images that I've seen are super creepy. Even the background of like, uh, you have one screen of battle where you're fighting a, a very strange looking enemy. And like, even the background of that battle is just chaotic as heck. Uh, is most of this world going to look or feel like this, you know, from from what I'm seeing in a lot of these still images, or is it going to be something where it's only like sections of the world? You know, can you give me a little bit of of what this area looks like, right? Oh, I would say it's almost a combination of what you've just said. Hmm. As weird as that might sound, again, it's kind of tied to story. I guess what I can say is. The world that your characters are currently inhabiting, it's not a it's not a complete space. That's what I'll say. Interesting. The okay. world is not a complete space. There are parts of it that are very fully realized. Mm-hmm. So for example, some of the screenshots, I think one of the screenshots I might have posted for Pitch Your Game, and it's on the website. It's of almost like a little deserty town looking area. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. areas are very very realized but Mm -hmm. then in between these spaces there's almost like how do i say this without spoiling stuff (laughs) okay the best way i can say is think of wind waker you have a very large sea yeah and you have islands that's the best way i can describe it Hmm. So it's those images that you've been talking about, the ones that might be more horror. Yeah. That's what you'll find in the sea. Oh, interesting. Okay. But that, but that also doesn't mean you won't encounter that kind of stuff in the more realized spaces. Right. Right. Okay. Just maybe right? not as uh, aggressively like f- full scale, I suppose is a way mm-hmm. to say it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's, uh, I'm confused and intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that it's more, I'm just going to have to wait and see, but it sounds like you have, you know, a, a, an interesting world that you're trying to depict here. And I, I wanted to, to go into that a little bit deeper. And I assume you're going to shoot me down right away because you're being uh, very careful 
and smart about how you're approaching this <laughs> in, in describing the world. But I wanted to dive a little bit deeper. And yes, this is a terrible pun, but uh, I wanted to go into the well. Okay. Because you mentioned this a couple of times in in your website, and you mentioned that that's like the world that your main character is is going into, and you're yes, you're you seem to be stuck in this type of uh, I don't know, maybe it seems like a purgatory world. I'm not really too sure, but uh, can you tell me anything about the well without you know going into major spoilers? The best way that I can describe the well is the metaverse from persona 5. Huh. Okay. Uh that'll make sense to people who have played that game, not to me. <laughs> but, but uh there you go. Uh I guess I'll have to look that up. <laughs> what I'll say and I suppose here's a little tasty tidbit for your listeners. Some exclusive information that I can give Ooh. you about the well. Ooh, very fun. The well is a place that is created from the consciousness of everybody that has ever lived on the earth. <sighs> and your characters find themselves in there. The reason why there's a diff, because a little thing that people may or may not have noticed, but there's actually, I use a different art style for in the physical world and in the, well, the metaphysical world. I use a different art style. Mm. Um, I also use different music as well. So, for example, in the well, the music is very, like, electronic, but also there's aspects of, like, orchestra and live instruments, whereas yeah. in the physical world, it's, like, it's what, what you might get on, like, a SNES or a, or a DS game or something. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So your characters find themselves trapped in this place that has been created by their own their own uh, consciousness, their own subconsciousness, and uh, the consciousness of thousands of years of history. So you will come across things from thousands of years ago. One of the, one of, a secret boss, here's some more information. A secret boss in the game is, is like a, is like an Aztec creature, like a Sumerian Aztec creature thing that I've put together. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 you know, the reason why that's even there is because people from that long ago have contributed to creating this world without even knowing it. Oh. Huh. So there you go. Well, all right. I'm not, say, I'm not saying anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's still an interesting tidbit there for, uh, for the listeners. So thank you for that. Uh, I will say, still confused. Um, <laughs> but I, as I mentioned, also intrigued. Um, let's, let's dive into what this game looks like from a perspective of, uh, outside of combat, right? You mentioned okay. things like side quests and there's puzzles to solve, you know, what does this look like when I'm just traveling this world? Explain. Like, uh, just outside of combat, you know, like what's the main, the main thing that you, you do, like, is combat a main focus of this game mm -hmm. is, is, uh, more of exploration, a main focus, you know, what are some of those, those elements of gameplay? Yeah. So when you're outside of combat, I've kind of described it as almost like a little bit like Zelda, I suppose would be the, with the closest. I used to describe it more like Castlevania, but I suppose these both share similar elements. For so sure. you know you will uh, you will pick up certain items that will allow you to access new areas. 
Combat isn't really the main focus. At one point during development, it was going to be a very big focus, mm-hmm. but I've decided to scale that back so it's it complements the gameplay. Right. Um, okay. Other than that, you'll be walking around, you'll be going into different locations, solving puzzles. You know, there's so many secrets in the game, um, so many like hidden items or hidden enemies or hidden pieces of side story about different characters. You know, and it's up to players if they want to experience that to track it down. And if players do just want to blast through it, then go ahead. That's also possible. Right. Um, right. Okay. So I... yeah. So so it is very much kind of like, oh, here's an area I can't reach. Maybe come back later with a different piece of equipment. Maybe you can access it. There's plenty of people to talk to to gain, um, you know, pieces of law. More about the backstory, more about the people that live in this world that reside here. Um, yeah. it is, it, it, I'd say the the moment to moment gameplay is more focused on puzzle solving. If you want to find secrets, then it's secret finding and story. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Now I wanted to to dive into the part of every choice matters, right? You know, okay. especially when you're 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 doing these actions, right? You're solving puzzles, you're you're talking to people, you're discovering secret lore, right? When it comes to every choices matter, I think that's a pretty big uh, statement, right? Mm-hmm. What are those choices like? What does that look like? Can you give us an example? Okay, so the Roy's there's a more like traditional choice, as in like you know you can you can choose whether you're going to speak to a certain character or you can choose you know if someone needs help you can choose whether you're going to actually help them and stuff right you can do all that kind of stuff and it will affect certain aspects of the gameplay which i won't go into but then there's the more minor choices so for example in the game at one point an old man your character's injured and he offers you a a drink he's like oh take a drink of this it'll make you feel better and then you can choose whether you want to drink from it or not and i'm not gonna that will affect things even the most minor choices like yes and no will affect something but i'm not telling you what it is Mm. well you uh, you don't have to tell us what it is but will you as a player know uh the ramifications of these choices or is it more just you'll find down if on the road right if you're paying attention you'll notice the change okay for the minor ones for the more major ones it will be obvious right of um, course. but for the minor ones if you're paying attention you might notice it i'm kind of hoping that players kind of because what something else that i would really really like is players to come together in like an online space, wherever that might be, whether it's like Discord or Reddit or Twitter or whatever, to come together and be like, oh, did you did you experience this? Did you know this bit? And then other players are like, what? No, I didn't see that. How do you access that part? Yeah. I really want people to kind of come together to like figure out certain things in the game. I want certain mechanics to not even be mentioned but I want some. I want them to. I want players to figure it out and be like, "Did you know that this does this and this does this?" Do you know what I mean? That's that's yeah. what I want. I want people to figure it out for themselves. Like my game does have side quests, but they're not really stated, and there is mm. no side quest tracker either. Like I do not have a something where you can look at all your side quests. That's not how this works. 
this game's kind of old school in that sense. Like, you can't just save whenever you want. You have to use save points. Um, like I said, there's no side quest tracker. Side quests in this game are more like hinted at rather than, yeah. hello, adventurer, can you please go and fetch me three apples? It's not like that at all. But you <laughs> might come across someone who's very sick um, and they need something, but they're not saying to you, can you please go and fetch me a, a magic potion to heal me? Right. Um, one, for example, for example, one of the status effects in the game is called infestation. And it's basically the character is infested with insects on the inside of their body. Gross. Yes. So you might come across someone and they're like, oh, I've actually got infestation or something like that. And then you can have the option to give them an item that cures infestation because it's just a status effect. Right. So it's kind of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting because... Uh, I want to ask about the three endings and the implications of that, right? Yes. Is is this something where those three endings, some of these endings, you might have to be more of that, you know, you said you could just blow through the game if you wanted to, but the game also rewards you for being curious and wanting to dive into that secret lore. Is this something mm-hmm. where some of these endings are walled off where if you are not going out of your way to to talk to everyone or to, to do these interactions, you're not going to see this, right? Um, I would, I mean, I haven't really thought too much about that part, but mm-hmm. I would say so, yes. If you, if you do not do certain things, then you will probably have a lesser chance of experiencing those endings. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I, to go back and take a step back, I think it's so interesting, the idea of you setting this game up with the expectation that you want it to be a community that comes together to figure out the answers, to figure out the path to take to get to those different endings or to mm-hmm. see those different experiences. Because it's one of my favorite things in games. Is And, and I'm really bad at this, ultimately, is I always say anytime... Uh, a game says choices matter or there's multiple endings i'm like oh i gotta check this game out like it's something that always triggers in my brain but at the same time when i play i get like anxiety around (laughs) the choices i make because then i'm like oh i I don't know if i want to make this choice right but like so so i'm a little bit bad about this when it comes to actually putting it into into action and and playing those games i still do it but sometimes i'll i'll sneak you know the answers and i'll look up on those forums Mm -hmm. um but but i love that that community that comes together and i love one of my favorite things to do is at the end of beating a game being like well okay what are the other things that i could have seen and sneaking yeah. a peek at that and then being like oh okay i gotta try this to to go back into it and figure it out so yeah. i do think that the idea of of building a game that's not explicitly uh pointing you in those directions makes a lot of sense because of that that conversation that like keeps the longevity of a game right mm-hmm now, uh, we've talked uh, a good amount about the game, about who you are. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I do want to ask, and I know this is one that you might not have any idea about um, because you said you are very early into development, but do you have a target date in your mind of when you'd like to try and, and be able to to actually get this into the hands of people? Yeah, because I, because I do everything myself, and obviously, I don't know what the future holds. Right. I'm hoping 2023. Okay. 
All right. I'm hoping. I'm um, hoping too. I'm currently. I've been approached by quite a number of publishers. Oh, that's that's exciting. Yeah, I'm in talks with one at the minute. Um, I have signed an NDA, so I can't say much about it. Yep, of course. But it's looking quite positive, and it's a publisher who has published games that people will know. So obviously, if they if everything goes well, that will really help because I think the number one issue that I have as an indie developer is I don't have money. Yeah, um, yeah of course. So obviously, with a publisher's help, I will have that financial backing. Which will then probably in turn allow the game to come out sooner. Right. Because I'll be able to pay for art and music immediately rather than having to wait month after month after month to get paid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Um, of course. So yeah. Yeah. Well that's okay. Well, that's very exciting. I I hope that, you know, you know, fingers crossed that things go well with that. Um, but let's wrap this show up with the final question that I ask everyone who comes on here to the show. Uh, and this is just for some advice for those in the indie space, for those coming in that maybe they've, you know, never thought about working on a game. Uh, well, maybe not never thought of, but they've never done it, but they, you know, they're thinking, oh, I want to do this. Right. What would you have said to yourself? Uh, I guess, you know, a year back before you got started, what have you learned along the way? Right. I've learned a lot of self-discipline because, uh, you know, essentially I'm self-employed. Mm-hmm. So I learned to, you know, kind of set myself a routine, which is something that I'm extremely bad at. So I have, I've, I've had to be extremely strict with myself. So right. I, would, I would definitely have, have prepared myself for that. Something <laughs> else is I think some advice I would give to people is definitely try not to overwork yourself even though i'm guilty of that definitely (laughs) but it does it really does wear you down at one point i was i would wake up i would immediately go to the computer like straight out of bed straight to the computer i would then work on the game for about 15 hours and then i would go straight to bed oh my goodness I, i did that for about a week um and by the end of it i thought i was going to go insane yeah um i was going to bed and i was crying because i was so exhausted oh my Um, goodness so don't do that yeah don't do that that. and another thing i would also say is don't trust uh, i I don't mean that it's very tempting to join certain online communities so Mm. you might want to join certain subreddits for example or certain discord groups and whilst there can be some helpful information i think something people often forget in those groups it is the blind leading the blind (laughs) so do not take every piece of feedback or every piece of information that you get from people do not take it as gospel if you really want to join them for whatever reason even if it's just to make friends or network and stuff like that cool but I would say if you start asking for advice, take it with a the tiniest pinch of salt mm-hmm. because all these people are in the same boat as you. There's one place that I would definitely recommend people join. It's a Discord group. I'm not really sure if I'm supposed to talk about it on here, but I'll do it anyway. It's <laughs> called um, it's called the Design Den. Um, have you heard of that? No, Maybe. I haven't. I haven't. The design den is full of game developers, established developers. There's people in there from like 
Bungie, EA, Ubisoft, Activision, even and there's plenty of indie developers in there as well. Right. And I've asked for advice in there before. I've had marketing advice from people in there before. Um, I think that's probably the best resource that I have access to, honestly. Twitter's yeah. pretty good. That's where I found my artists and my musicians on Twitter. So that wasn't too bad, but I try to stay off Twitter because it's just a cesspit. Oh, um, yeah, it's it can be bad. <laughs> so, so yeah, like honestly, that's a good one because at least then I am getting advice from people who are actually working in the industry right now. Right. I'm not turning to Joe Sixpack who, you know... <laughs> is working on their very first game as well who who decide who thinks oh this battle system is boring or i don't like your art style but that doesn't matter does it because we're in the same boat right right so yeah, and i think i think that also goes to the the idea that like you can make an amazing game and there's still going to be people who don't like it right exactly like exactly. there's always going to be multiple opinions it's it's more like you can't just take one person's opinion and be like all right i have to change it based on that right you yeah. have to get multiple opinions that's the whole yeah. point of you know uh, crowdsourcing your your ideas and and getting stuff out there to be like what does the general audience think or what is mm -hmm. this you know uh, specific uh, group that i'm targeting what do they think about it because if they think it's great and this one person joe sixpack is like your game is shit well, then I don't really care about Joe Sixpack's opinion, right? Exactly. And, and you know, and let, let's be real, especially when it comes to business, some people's advice and opinions are far more valuable than other people. Of course. Like, are, are you going to, you know, as a business owner, are you going to talk to, some, talk to someone who doesn't have a business or are you going to talk to someone who does have a business and has 15 years of running a business experience? Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. yeah, of course. So, yeah, that's that's definitely some advice. Don't overwork yourself. Take certain people's opinions with a pinch of salt. Get get educated opinions, if that makes sense. Yeah. Experienced opinions about mm -hmm. your work, if you must. Um, and also, another thing is, although it's super scary to, you know, at someone in, in on Twitter or in Discord, at someone who does work at, like, Ubisoft or something like that, but like, hey, so what about this? How did you do yeah. this? The worst thing they can say is, fuck off. <laughs> that's true yeah but it's yeah you know i mean your point is valid like and there's a lot of people out there one of the things that i have seen and like you mentioned it twitter can be kind of like uh, an iffy place at times it could be yes. very rocky because there's just so much heated opinions on there but at the same time i've seen uh, especially in the indie dev community there seems to be a lot of willingness to help others and to yeah. kind of grow each other in a way so I think a lot of cases, you know, yes, the worst thing that they can say is, hey, fuck off. Um, but I've noticed that a lot of people are generally pretty open to being like, you know, even if they can't give their time, they'll point you into the direction of where you need to go, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Well, I think, the, you know, those points, all great, solid advice. I'm super excited about this game and what's to come. For those listening, Nobody is currently in development. So if any of it sounded interesting, I would definitely recommend you go check out their uh, the game webpage, which if you want to, you can go to ghostcoastgames.com. There's more information there. There's also a newsletter that you can sign up for. So you'll get notified, uh, you know, each step of the way as the, the project develops. Um, but once again, Magnum, thank you so much for joining today. It was a pleasure. Yes, it's very nice. Thank you very much.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.